The aftermath of nonviolence is the creation of the beloved community. Let us never fight with falsehood and violence and hate and malice, but always fight with love so that when the day comes that the walls of segregation have completely pumped, we will be able to live with people as their brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Beloved Community Podcast, brought to you by KUAF and the Northwest Arkansas Martin Luther King Jr. Council. The Beloved Community Podcast is designed with community in mind. We seek to highlight individuals and organizations that strive to build Dr. King's beloved community in the Northwest Arkansas region, the state of Arkansas, and beyond. Each month, you'll hear from leaders in our community working to combat poverty, racism, and equality, and promote the ideals of the beloved community where injustice ceases and love prevails. Be inspired to join the movement. The story begins on a Wednesday in mid-November of 2022 on the campus of the University of Arkansas. The leaves are turning, but the wind already feels like winter, and students are moving quickly across campus, clutching their coats and studying for their midterm exams and preparing for fall break. Meanwhile, professors and administrators and staff are anxiously awaiting a different kind of break. They are waiting for a new chancellor to be named for the University of Arkansas. Several key decisions across campus could not be made without a permanent chancellor in place. And the university community was starting to get anxious for the day when a decision was to be made. And on November the 16th, 2022, that day came. And welcome to the program. Thanks as always for joining us. It was historic and unanimous. This week, the University of Arkansas Board of Trustees selected Dr. Charles Robinson as the new chancellor of the university's flagship campus in Fayetteville. The University of Arkansas has a new chancellor and he's no stranger to campus. Let's turn to this. Today, the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville made history with the selection of its new chancellor. Dr. Charles Robinson will be the university's first black Dr. Charles Robinson was named by unanimous decision of the Board of Trustees as the seventh chancellor of the University of Arkansas. He served as interim chancellor for more than a year at the time he was named. However, it was unclear if the university's board of directors was going to name him, despite having strong support from staff, faculty, administrators, students, and the community. And for good reason, too. As interim chancellor, Dr. Robinson championed a new emphasis on the university's land-grant mission, and set priorities on supporting student success, augmenting the institution's research enterprise, and becoming an employer of choice for the state of Arkansas. That's right, the University of Arkansas was created to serve the state of Arkansas. And that's why I've always preferred land grant over flagship. Flagship is great. I mean, it says you're the biggest, you know, you've got the most, but it talks about you. Land grant talks about others and our job as I see it, is to serve others, to serve the state of Arkansas. 
And so we can serve them by doing a better job with uh, recruiting students and then retaining them and, 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 and supporting them in such a way that they are better prepared to engage the workforce. That's part of our land grant mission. Dr. Robinson has served the University of Arkansas for more than 23 years, beginning as an assistant professor of history in 1999. Teaching and mentoring students has always been a priority. Even as he was promoted to positions of increasing leadership and responsibility, including serving as the provost and executive vice chancellor for academic and student affairs. He has also served the university as the vice provost for diversity and vice chancellor for student affairs and as director for the African and African-American studies program. What we haven't said yet is that with that unanimous decision in mid-November of 2022, the University of Arkansas made history as Dr. Charles Robinson is the first African-American chancellor in the University of Arkansas history. Throughout his tenure at the University of Arkansas, Dr. Robinson has consistently led institutional progress in diversity recruitment, student success, and retention and graduation efforts, while creating new academic initiatives and development goals to better serve campus and meet the needs of the students. Here is Dr. Robinson at the 27th Annual Recommitment Celebration for the Northwest Arkansas Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Council. Good evening, everyone, and on behalf of the University of Arkansas, I bring you greetings. You know, whenever I'm asked to do a welcome, I, I look for inspiration and for this occasion, I found inspiration in the, in the words of a rapper by the name of Russ and his song, Handsomer. You know, the chorus of the song says, I know I'm fine, but the money makes me handsomer. Walk around smelling like a come up and the answer to her problems but I'm not him, I don't mind it though. You don't like me how you think you do. I like it though. I know I'm fine. Now I don't have time to really unpack everything that Russ is telling us, but, but when we are committed to social justice, when we reflect and recommit ourselves to our land grant mission. I say to you, we're fine, but that commitment to the land grant mission makes us handsomer. <laughs> you know, it's all right. Nothing wrong with graduating students at a rate that's higher than any other school in this state. Nothing wrong with closing the gap between your predictive graduation rate and your actual graduation rate but you know, that's fine, but you can become handsomer when you can graduate pale students at a level of those of the non-pale. When the poor have the same opportunity as the rich, you go from being just fine to handsomer. As Vice Provost for Diversity, Dr. Robinson established several programs focused on making the U of A more accessible for Arkansas students. These include the College Access Initiative, 
a college readiness outreach program serving underrepresented students and under-resourced schools statewide, as well as the ACT Academy designed to help students prepare for college entrance exams and academic success. Dr. Robinson also led the creation of Razorback Bridge Outreach, a student recruitment scholarship and retention program reaching underrepresented students. Because of his work in the area of inclusion and diminishing barriers and lifting up those who needed it most, Dr. Robinson absolutely had to be our first guest to tell us about his leadership in working to create Dr. King's beloved community. Dr. Robinson is also an award-winning professor teaching Southern history and race relations, African-American studies, sexuality in history and civil rights, among many other topics. And he has also authored numerous books, including Remembrances in Black, Personal Perspectives of the African-American Experience at the University of Arkansas, Dangerous Liaison, Sex and Love in the Segregated South and Forsaking All Others, a true story of interracial sex and revenge in the 1880s South. We are proud to welcome our first guest, Dr. Charles Robinson, Chancellor of the University of Arkansas to the Beloved Community Podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Charles Robinson, Chancellor of the University of Arkansas. Dr. Robinson, welcome. Thank you. Hello, Lindsay. We are excited to have you with us today as the first participant for our podcast with KUAF and the Northwest Arkansas Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Council. This is an exciting opportunity for us to really have a few minutes to just sit down and engage with you and dialogue with you about the beloved community and your thoughts around Dr. King's ideals on the beloved community. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. As we think about the work that Dr. King did in his lifetime and his connotation of the beloved community, what does that mean to you? Well, Dr. King, you know, was, you know, in many ways, he's a statesman, he was a prophet, he was a person who cared deeply about this country and the world. And, and so being part of this, being able to talk about his legacy uh, means a great deal because his legacy is still very much a work in progress. Absolutely. And when I hear you say that Dr. King's legacy is still a work in progress, I think about you being relatively new to officially being the chancellor for the University of Arkansas and really having the opportunity to implement your legacy and your legacy, much like Dr. King's, being a work in progress. So tell us a little bit about, as you continue to take the reins for the flagship institution, what your legacy really looks like and what your vision is for the University. Of Arkansas. Well, I want to move away from the notion of my legacy. I think what's important is for the university to live up to its mission. It has a mission, and that mission is to be a land-grant institution that serves the great state of Arkansas. And so my goal is to tie us more deeply, more profoundly, more intentionally to our mission, and hopefully for us to live out, our, to to carry out our mission 
thoroughly in which in ways in which we help many, many, many more people achieve their goals, their higher education goals, and help communities solve problems as well. That's good. I love that. It's not really about your nope. your legacy, but nope. it's really about living out the legacy and the vision and seeing the university rise to the great institution that it is. I love that concept. How has your transition been? Transition's been good. I was uh, interim for 14 months, and so when when the board voted to make me the permanent chancellor in November of 2022. I mean, you know, I was excited about it, but at the same time, it just allowed me to do more of the work in with a forward thinking and a forward looking that I couldn't do before as the interim. But in terms of the day to day, it feels very familiar. That's exciting. Um, just to have the opportunity to serve in the interim position and then to have the opportunity to be the chancellor. That means a huge deal for the university. That means a lot for Northwest Arkansas. And that means a lot for young African-American men and women that look at you and see that they too can have an opportunity as a person of color to serve at the highest levels in academia and higher education, that they can be chancellors of flagship institutions in places where historically there were not paths carved out for us. Oh, absolutely. I, it, it is true that if I can do this, if I can achieve this, then others can and others will. And And I think it is important you know, to get past that first, you know, just to get over that hump. And and hopefully now we're in a new normal in which, you know, the the experiences of or as we as we as continue in time, that this will be not an anomaly. This will be part of just the, the pattern of leadership yes. uh, moving forward. And this is actually a really good segue because as I was preparing for the podcast, I had an opportunity to look at an article in um, Inside Higher Education. And in the article, they talked about the increase in the number of minority college president hires since the wake of the George Floyd killing and in the wake of the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020. What are your thoughts on minority hires, especially as you think about institutions like the University of Arkansas? I think typically we would look at African-Americans serving in this capacity, in the capacity of president um, or chancellor in mainly historically black colleges and universities. But as we think about predominantly white institutions, flagship institutions, what's your thought about this increase in minority hires? Well, you know, I'm glad to see it. Uh, I hope that it's just a result of a progression of people thinking better about leadership. And leadership is, you know, you should be looking for qualities in people that, are, that suggest to you that they will do, they will lead at a very high level, that they will be aligned in their strategies and in their policies and practices with the mission of the institution. So it's my hope that this is just the process of evolution and that this is not, again, an these are not anomalies, but you'll continue to see more and more people being hired on the basis of their skills and abilities. And that will, of course, lend itself to minorities being hired in some of these positions that have historically not 
had, you know, minorities in them. And much like the work that Dr. King did, when you think about the people and the makeup of the people that were a part of the movement, it was not just African-Americans on his leadership team. He was very strategic about being inclusive for all. The work that he did, the movement that he led, was not just about leading African-Americans, leading blacks. He was about equity and justice and civil rights for all people, not just African-Americans. And so I think it's very timely to hear you say that, that, Yes, there's been an increase in in minority hires, but as we think about it from the lens of the work that Dr. King did, that it's really about having the right person um, for the position that's really going to be able to carry out the vision for the institution and for the organization. Yeah, the rhetoric of this country has been that you can achieve anything. The American dream, if you work hard enough, if if you're you know, have the right strategy and the effort, you can achieve anything. Well, hopefully we're getting closer to that because that's what we should be striving to be as a country, one in which people's skills and abilities allow them to settle in places that fit those skills and and abilities and that no characteristic outside of that works against that opportunity. Perfect. So for those of you that don't know, Dr. Robinson is a historian. Yes. And I'd love for you to take off your chancellor hat for a minute and and to put on your historian hat. Yeah. When this episode airs, it will be airing on the anniversary of the assassination of Dr. King. And as a student of history, as a student of race relations, what's your take on Dr. King's legacy now in 2023? I always keep my history hat on, just so that you'll know it never comes off. I've I've got three degrees in American history, so it's hard to take that take to take that hat off. Uh, Dr. King's legacy is one in which I believe that he would recognize that progress has been made. I mean, if you go back quantitatively from the 1960s, this is not the same country. Qualitatively, it is not the same country. It is a country that is living closer to what it aspires to be. But having said that, there are real challenges that still remain. And this is something that the the MLK committee speaks on every year, that there's still work to be done. Uh, Lincoln talked about this country being a more perfect union. Well, we still have work to do to become more perfect. And so I think Dr. King would acknowledge and celebrate the things that you see happening. You know that. I mean, you can you see it, that you can quantify it, and plus you can qualify the fact that it's happening. But he would also be troubled by what's not taking place. You know, the issues involving, you know, particularly those challenges around poverty would be a big deal to him because that was something that he he championed efforts to support equal opportunity for, uh, for our poorest and, and most needy uh, citizens. How do you think Dr. King would feel about the state of education and educational opportunities, more specifically higher education yeah. for African-Americans in 2023? Again, you look at the data, you compare where we were in the 60s, it's better across the board. But better is not 
enough. As long as there are people who still are not benefiting from that opportunity, then we've got to figure out ways to help them and support them. The cost of higher education is a real issue. And I know it as chancellor of the university, it's a real issue. And, and so every day when I sit in meetings, I'm thinking about what can we do to mitigate the cost? What can we do to mitigate the increase around us? We live in inflationary times, but how can we use the resources that we have to better ensure that those who cannot afford it are not are supported through scholarships or supported through our efforts to uh, control increases, because it's it's important to never lose sight that at our land grant mission requires it. It requires that we reach out to people in our state who want to have this opportunity but cannot afford it, and figure out ways to make this accessible to them as well. And it's amazing to think about the work that happens at the University of Arkansas and the opportunities that are afforded to students that make higher education something that is very tangible and not far-reaching. When you think of a lot of students who come from impoverished areas in the state, it's a big deal for them to be able to come to the University of Arkansas and not to just get here, but to graduate and to successfully matriculate through the university. And so I think you're spot on that we have to really be diligent about doing the grassroots work, whether it's the University of Arkansas, whether it's University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff or any other phenomenal institution of higher education doing the grassroots work like Dr. King and in the spirit of Dr. King to ensure that we're making those opportunities available for our students. That's right. And, and access is more than just getting in. It's about having the opportunity to experience it Absolutely. in ways that are traditional. You know, I talked to st- far too many students who have to work 30, 40 hours a week while taking 12 to 15 hours of classes, I mean, that's a tough, those are two full-time jobs. And so it's hard to have a full higher education experience in which you're participating in registered student organizations or you're having access to internships when you're constantly having to work in order to just make ends meet. And so, you know, that's something that's still very much a challenge for us, and we're going to continue to work as an institution of higher learning to mitigate those challenges for our students because then more of them will not only retain, but then they'll graduate, and they will have developed the skills and the networks that help them to have a good start to that next phase of their lives. How do you see this concept of beloved community imparting itself in the higher education arena? Well, I mean, we are our brothers and sisters keepers. I mean, we we have a responsibility not just to allow people who have the means to go along and get along. We have to deal with those students who really don't have the means. We have to try to better ensure that they have access maybe to things like on-campus work, which is different from working off the campus, to scholarships that reduce their costs. You know, we make decisions at my level not to uh, build some buildings, not to buy some property, because we don't want the impact of that coming back to force us to have to increase fees or increase tuition. 
thinking about how, again, in everything that we do, what those who are least among us in terms of their resources, what impact it would have on them. I think that is in line with Dr. King and his dream and, and, and the responsibility we have as campus leaders to build this beloved community. I would hope that Dr. King would be proud of the work that we're doing in Northwest Arkansas to really further his mission and his legacy and his vision to further this concept of, of the beloved community to know that we are really doing the boots on the ground, grassroots, community building and leading those efforts to ensure that Northwest Arkansas is a place that everyone is proud to call home, that this is a place where people come and they feel that they have an opportunity to grow. So how are you, as the Chancellor of the University of Arkansas, working to really build strategies to ensure that as we have diverse students that attend the university, that they're proud to call the University of Arkansas home, that they're proud to be a part of the great legacy of, of community building and work that's happening at the university, and that when they leave this place, that they're proud to say that they are Razorbacks and that they are actively um, looking to bring, you know, their children here sure. or to actively kind of recruit, if you will, for the university. When people have good experiences on the campus, when they feel that they belong because you have built structures, support structures around them, that makes them ambassadors for the university. I mean, they... They go back to their communities. They talk about how great they've been treated when they feel that they have access to things that uh, that maybe they didn't know they would have or that they see others having. Then that gives them a sense that they matter. And so the University of Arkansas is working every day to do more of that. We have wonderful people on our campus, wonderful programs that support students in as undergraduates and in graduates. And it's not just the leadership of the university, but it's boots on the ground, people who really care. We have great faculty members who are very, who, who care deeply about student success and they're working to uh, support students through their office hours and meeting with students uh, as, as, as mentors to our students. I know that, you know, me personally, I meet with students because as the chancellor, to me, that, that's an opportunity to connect with them and to give them a sense, again, that they matter and they belong at the University of Arkansas. And then when the Razorbacks beat Kansas, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, 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 that is an ener energy that uh, I, I was at that game, and it was in incredible how people just, they just felt a sense of community, just having that shared experience. And we were walking through that arena, and everybody wearing – Razorback gear was woo-pigging and uh, calling the hogs. And, and I do think that that energy, again, when everybody can feel that sense that we're part of this together, that, that everyone matters, everyone belongs, then they become ambassadors and, and, they, and they sense that this is the equal opportunity that Dr. King was talking about, and I have it, I'm experiencing that. And so we've got to continue to work to ensure that more and more people who have come to our campus or who have not yet come know that this is possible on our campus. Absolutely. I love it. And I think as we kind of think about parting thoughts, share with me how you see the African-American community, the black community, 
really playing a vital legacy in the continuation of building this beloved community that Dr. King talked about. How do we, as a as the Black community, continue to build this um, and build upon this concept of the beloved community? Well, I would start by saying the beloved community responsibility doesn't just fall to African Americans. That it falls to people who believe that community is important and believe that equal access and equal opportunity are, are important, who care deeply about others. And so it, it's African Americans are part of that, but they're not, we are not the only group of people who are responsible for building this. It, it requires people from all over, as you've referenced, Dr. King believed in people coming together from all different backgrounds. But our role is to stay vigilant, to, to be involved, to understand that the University of Arkansas belongs to all of the citizens of this state and to, and to act upon that by either coming there as students, by uh, working there at the university, by getting involved. And when you come, don't just come and, and go to class. Come and join something and get involved where you see we need to do better as a campus I'll point that out so that we can we can do better because again, leadership, uh, in, including myself, very much myself, I'm interested in every day trying to make our institution one that all people feel valued and know that they matter and belong. And I think that again, people who are like-minded, right-minded, will work together to to do the same. Fantastic. Well, this has been a phenomenal conversation, and I just appreciate having an opportunity to sit down and to take a few minutes out of your busy schedule. Before we wrap, I always like to close an interview with a little fun fast five. Okay. So, Malcolm or Martin? Both. That's a tough one. <laughs> I'm telling you, I know so much about them. You're not. You're asking a historian. <laughs> there are things about each one that brought that. It's hard to pick between either one. Okay, the civil rights movement or the Black Lives Matter movement? I'm more of a civil rights because I think sometimes the Black Lives Matter movement gets misunderstood in ways civil rights movement. We've had time to reflect on it and see its you know, broader inclusivity. And, and I'm really about people partnering, working together on, on common goods. And I, and I know that happens with the Black Lives Matter movement, but it's so present now it's hard for some people and politicized that it's hard for some people to see it. Hip-hop or R&B? <laughs> Man, I, that's tough. That is tough. That's as hard as probably the Malcolm it, it, it is. It is. Um, I, you know, I was born in the 60s, so R&B. Okay. <laughs> but that's tough for me, I'm telling you. And, as, and I don't, you know, I do a lot of talks where I reference hip-hop. Because I know hip-hop has a message that's really powerful, and it's important to tease it out. A good Sunday soul food dinner or sushi? Oh, Sunday soul food. That's not close for me. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> that one is definitive. The last one, Razorback Red or Gold? Oh, it's back red. You're talking to the Chancellor of the University answer. of Arkansas. <laughs> well, yeah, there, <laughs> no ambiguity there. So. Well, there you have it. Thank you again, Dr. Robinson, for this exciting conversation. This has been absolutely amazing, and we just thank you for spending some time with us this afternoon. I know I'm fine. 
but the money makes me handsomer. Walk around smelling like a come up in the answer for her problems, but I'm not in my own mind. Thank you again, Dr. Robinson, for that exciting conversation. Well, that's going to do it for us today on the Beloved Community Podcast. If you want more information about Dr. Robinson and the work that he's doing at the University of Arkansas, please visit www.chancellor.uark.edu. You can always stay in touch with us at the Beloved Community Podcast or the Northwest Arkansas Dr. Martin Luther King Council at www.nwamlk.org. I am Lindsay Leverett Higgins. We'll see you again next month for another exciting episode of the Beloved Community Podcast.